Podglomerate original. Welcome to the History of Stand-Up, the show where comedian and professor Wayne Fetterman teaches us all a little bit more. It's not quite a little. It's maybe just a smidge about the history of stand-up. And I'm your fellow student, Andrew Steven. So this is the last episode of season two, and we want to thank you for checking out our podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. You know, I've learned a lot about the history of stand-up. Same here. And as we continue on, this episode is going to be a little different. Yeah, we're not going to play any stand-up clips, which is our usual modus operandi. Our MO. Yeah. But we do have some stuff to share that didn't quite make it into previous episodes. From the outset of this program, our mission was to examine the history of stand-up. Not the history of comedy. No, we don't do any Lucille Ball, although it's just stand-ups. People that get up on stage and perform in one and make people laugh. Exactly. Although we will, every once in a while, talk about comedy teams because that's a blurry area. But we don't address sketch groups or improv teams. Nothing like that. That's for other podcasts and other shows. And one of the things I've really appreciated is being able to learn firsthand the history of stand-up from comedians themselves. It's incredible anyone said yes to us. I mean, if you ask me what I know that 50 years after I introduced myself to the public, I would still be working and be uh, a viable something or other. I couldn't even project that far ahead. And yet here I am standing and admired my up to my ankles, my knees, my armpits. Yeah, that was Lily Tomlin. And, and we also got to speak with Shecky Green. Ridiculous. And we got to hear from Cameron Esposito and Pete Holmes, who both got their start in Chicago. Thank God I didn't start here in L.A. or New York. That sounds like a nightmare. I think you want to be in your incubator city for three years. You are in a place where you can figure out what you want to say, who you are, and you can do that without the financial strain of these two other cities. Giving yourself that time is so important. And then I know we learned in the very beginning of season one that you used to be a ventriloquist. I started that way. So was it a thrill to talk with Willie Tyler? Oh yeah, that was surreal. Lester wasn't there, but just to be able to have lunch with Willie Tyler and then have the honor of picking up the check was incredible. Apollo, a lot of those theaters, like just theaters in general, but the Apollo was, uh, even the people, the recording artists, everybody was uh, kind of afraid. This is Willie Tyler talking about his first time at the Apollo Theater. Because the audience there, they've seen, they've seen everything. They've been there, they've come every week and they've seen everything. And if they didn't like you, they would let you know that they didn't like you. Season two focused on the venues and the scenes that really took off. And there was always a number of elements that converged to create these historic locations. Yeah, one of them would be obviously the comedians. Right. Or the location of the club. The physical layout of the room. Exactly. And the audiences. Or as you like to call it, the community. Many, a lot of times the audiences were about our same age and income level. 
uh, which meant no one had any money. Yeah, this is Paula Poundstone talking about the audiences at the other cafe in San Francisco. And it was a city that you could still live in with not much money. You know, you'd get a flat with a lot of roommates kind of thing, and uh, which makes me very sad for San Francisco now because uh, it's, it's unlivable, uh, the cost. And it's such a mistake because they're not going to have young people and that's the life's blood of a community. And the other thing is, where are their young artists going to come from? Yeah, and one of the things I've loved about this season is, while I've obviously never gone to the Playboy Clubs or to the Holy City Zoo or the other cafe, I have seen shows at Nerd Melt and Meltdown. Meltdown felt like the Holy City Zoo. That was Dana Gould. W was there a club that you had been to that you were like, I want meltdown to be like this vibe it was not not exactly it was a combination of the lincoln lodge of like house party shows i'd been to in north carolina it was a combination of everything i'd every place i'd been that i loved i wanted it to feel like that yeah and that was emily gordon i feel doing season one was very easy because we just did a chronological history of the evolution of stand-up and so you could clearly see how Richard Pryor influenced Eddie Murphy, who influenced a slew of other comedians. And how television and records and the internet played a part in growing stand-up as well. Right. And comedians are often motivated by what other stand-ups are doing. It's like when you hear about like athletes training together in the off-season, I think they get better by being around and near each other and they're not even it's not even it's it's with all like love but i think it, it motivates you to to do better that was nick kroll so as we've seen andrew whether you're doing an open mic or a book show or playing a comedy club on the road or doing a theater or hosting the academy awards or mounting a broadway show you're basically doing the same thing every every cool venue has a unique vibe to it that's hard to describe. That's James Adomian. It would be easier if you had like a sketch pad almost to describe what the vibe was like, or if you had like a, you know, what you're doing, like a collection of a bunch of different people's stories. Well, like we said, this is the end of season two, but there might be some bonus episodes in a couple months. Yeah, and while we were researching and interviewing guests, we compiled so much information that we just have extra that we want to share with you. Right, and as we're prepping for season three, this is where you come in, because we'd love to hear from you about anything that interests you. What part of stand-up's history do you want to hear us talk about? Or maybe you want to hear less of me. You don't want to hear any more Milton Berle stories from me. I get it. If you have an idea... Doesn't matter how crazy. Please send us an email. You can find all that info at thehistoryofstandup.com or send us a message on Twitter at histofstandup. Love it. We can't wait to hear from you. And of course, thank you. Yes, thank you so, so much for listening. Season two of The History of Stand-Up was written and produced by Wayne Fetterman and me, Andrew Steven. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. We want to say an extra special thanks to every one of the comedians and guests and producers and people we talked to to help make this show possible, especially Cliff Nesteroff and Jeff Abraham of the Abraham Comedy Archives. Some of the music in this episode is by Breakmaster Cylinder. 
please follow us on Twitter at Hist of Standup and online at thehistoryofstandup.com. If you like this show, tell a friend, share an episode, and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Take care. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.